Love running cold thing. San Diego Padre. I'm running cold thing. I'm running cold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking. A brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. Uh, this is episode number 145. Uh, apologies for the hiatus. I know we've been off for a month. Um, gosh, Dominic, I, I, I'm just at a loss for words here because we keep saying that we're going to be more regimented and we're just not doing it. I apologize, folks. We're trying. If you want a regimented podcast, hit up the DTP podcast because Dominic and Bobby are are recapping and previewing each and every series. You, if you want something that's current, then that's definitely the way to go. Uh, I don't think anyone else on Padres uh, Twitter land is 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 quite as regimented as these guys. But we're here. Welcome, folks. Uh, Dominic, what's going on? How are you doing? Are you enjoying your time uh, here in America's finest city, taking some time off from uh, college? Oh yeah, I love being back and uh, been to a lot of games. And the Potters are actually winning those games. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. I was on a nine-game losing streak earlier this year. And as as it stands right now, I have been the 10 straight victories. And, I mean, I think that's more of a thing that the Potters are just winning. But it seems like, you know, the Cubs series, the only game I went to, they won. The Mets series, I only went to one of those games. They only won two of them. But then... Ever since they've returned to full capacity, the Padres are six for six. So, and I have been to four of those games. It's just, it's been so fun. I'm also umpiring. So I'm not just like totally just like going down to Petco. That's not all I'm doing. So I've been very busy, but I'm loving it back here. And uh, I have friends that stayed at Arizona State for the summer. And they are telling me about how horrific it is. And it's, it's one of the hottest summers they're ever having. And it's only June 23rd as we're recording this. It's going to get worse. Yeah. And I, I don't feel bad for them, but yeah. I definitely have it better than them right now. But but it's a dry heat though, right, Dominic? That's what they say about the Arizona. Yes. Oh, no, 100%. I'd much rather be there than uh, in like 90 degrees in Florida. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I hear you. Well, so clearly with your winning streak, the, the Padres need to issue you uh, season tickets and your, and your family season tickets because you are... We do have season tickets. No, but I mean, we, not the the full package. I mean, Oh, the full. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You there every night. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's obvious, right? <laughs> uh, very clearly. I don't know. That, that would be a ton of gas money driving down up the coast yeah. every time. But yes, uh, if the Padres want to chip in for that, I will be more than happy to. There you go. Uh, so the Padres are currently on a winning streak, win- winning six games in a row uh, after a horrible road trip. 
Uh, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride recently with this team, but that's expected. It's a it's a marathon season, and, and they're full of uh, peaks and valleys. Uh, the team is currently a game and a half behind the Dodgers, uh, going for the sweep tonight as we record this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the Giants just what, what the the Giants just don't want to lose. What what's going on with them? I keep waiting for their pitching staff to fall apart and turn back into the the pumpkins that they are, but Gosman just continues to look dominant and. It, I don't know, Dominic. Can you explain this to me? I mean, these are the Giants. They were they weren't supposed to win. They don't have Bruce Bochy pulling the strings. What's what's going on here? No. Well, first off, they've had a very easy schedule. A lot of their games have been at home. They faced a lot of the worst competition. I was looking through their schedule. Obviously, they haven't had what the Potters have had to go through so far this year in terms of just long stretches. They haven't had that yet, and they haven't faced a ton of the like winning teams from the East Coast yet, or even the Central. So. I hope that when that comes up, that's something that happens. I know that they faced the Brewers two times in August and September. They faced the Padres three times in September. I know they play the Dodgers a ton. Their schedule hardens up a ton in the second half of the season. I'm hoping that as that happens, some of their players will kind of crumble and you know come to the players that we kind of expected them to be. I've come to the realization that they're just going to make the playoffs, and it's whether or not the Padres and the Dodgers can just pass them. Because they're 21 games over 500, and we're almost halfway through the season, almost at 81 games. So something tells me they're just, they're just going to make the playoffs. Like this team has exceeded everyone's expectations, and we kind of have to accept that, unless they utterly collapse, which it would, would take be awesome. Failure. It would take a huge collapse for them to to not make the playoffs at this point. Which would be awesome. I, I still think the Potters and the Dodgers are going to end the season better than them because yeah. you you look at these two rosters, they're much better. There's yeah. no other way around it. No, and the and both Dodgers and Padres have, have dealt with a lot of injuries, so you expect for them to record-wise get better. Uh, you alluded to the fact of the records, which is uh, definitely something that should be monitored by fans. Uh, the Padres in their next six series play teams that are 500 or below. Uh, they have the Diamondbacks, the Reds, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Rockies, and then the Nationals again. Only the Reds sit currently at 500, but there's a chance for them to make some serious ground on these teams and not have to battle against the the Brewers' well-valued uh, pitching staff and, and going against the Mets and, and the Cubs that were both hot when they played them. Uh, it's it's hard to factor in value of a team. That's why the 60-game the season uh, series or 60-game season we had last season was kind of bizarre because there were teams that didn't even play each other in the National League and the American League. So um, you're getting a better, a better idea of what a team's worth is. Um, I don't know, Dominic. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's just it's it's a long season, um, and and there's still what 100 games left. How many games are left? Yeah, no, a little under 100, but 80 something games left. It's like 85. Yeah, the Potters are 44 and 29, which means they have played 73 games. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a long season. Um, let's move on to some. Talk about uh, Tatis. Uh, the shoulder came up again this week. Um, it's still concerning. He's he's the Padres mentioned that he would probably have been able to play through the pain if or the injury or the twinge, if you will, if needed. Um, give me your thoughts on Tatis's shoulder and how concerned are you? I'm I'm relatively concerned about this just because it's happened multiple times this year. 
We saw it in spring training. We saw it in the opening week of the season. And now we're seeing it again. And Tatis is tough. He can deal with it. But at some point, you got to realize, hey, we're, we're attached to this for 14 years. And he probably needs to get surgery in the offseason. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an official word on that. But at some point, Tatis is an investment. And you got to think long-term here. It's obviously tough watching him go through these pains and knowing how much he means to this franchise that we all love. But I just hope that he can battle through it and get through the rest of the season without another hiccup on the shoulder. And then you can assess the situation, hopefully once the season ends late in October. Yeah. The last thing we need to talk about or discuss is another injury. It seems that um, injuries are, are a factor for this team right now. Last night, we saw Mason Thompson make his debut in the eighth inning in a huge game. He was able to successfully do it and, and featuring a, a mid, mid to high 90s sinker that was just absolutely impressive. But, you know, we're, we're, this team is missing Drew Pomeranz. This team is missing a, a Strom for the, for the entire year. There, there's, there's a little bit of concern with, with players that aren't here. Uh, Austin Nola has been a, a missing part of this team for a long time. It's tough to go out there with Caratini and, and, and Rivas or Camposano out there as, as your backup. Um, they're just, we, we need a little more health out of this team, correct? I mean, Pierce Johnson went down this week that he had been doing well. I mean, they lost Kayla earlier this year. Uh, Morahone went down with an injury. Uh, I already mentioned uh, Pomerantz. Uh, you know, give me your thoughts on that and whether or not this team is going to have to find some veteran pitchers somewhere because, you know, I, I like what I see from Chrismont, but he's, it, it's scary to, to for for her Tingler to stick him out there for a third inning uh, in an important game like we saw last night. Right. The Potters have found guys to fill in the gaps and produce despite all the injuries. And I think that is a very good sign. And it's a testament to the depth that AJ Preller has built with this team, not just in the lineup and on the bench, but also in the bullpen and with the rotation. So I think that is very encouraging, but I, I do think that, at some point, you might have to look for external options instead of these internal options that they've kept going to, and it's kept working. So until the clock is broken, don't fix it. But No, um, I hear you. The, I mean, the, the Padres' bullpen the last time I checked was was top five, top three. In, 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 oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not – I'm not complaining. I'm just – No, you're right. Whether or not this is going to hold up, you know, you can't run out rookies out there to make major league debuts in pivotal situation. Expect them to succeed each time because it's it's just not going to happen. Right, and I think that when you look at it, the Potters have kept doing that, and the bullpen is definitely not performing as well as it once was up up in the season. It's still doing great. I still love this bullpen, but you've seen Mark Melanson start to slide a little bit. You've seen. Emilio Pagan have a couple of rough outings here and there. Austin Adams is, is can can be shaky from time to time as well, even though he looks dominant as well. Yeah, even Tim Hill hasn't been as good as he once was earlier in the season, just because some of the starting pitchers and Blake Snell had another great outing last night. Didn't allow a run. He's been super good at home, but he only gives five innings, and that's fine. Okay. But if you if you go you five innings, there, two you runs, last, you were there last night. Did you think that he was? pulled too early. I mean, he, he worked his way out of that jam in the, in the fourth and looked like Tingler was 
thinking about pulling him out there with two outs in the, in the fourth and runners on. Did you think he could have gone out for another inning? Do you think he should have gone out for another inning? Let's, let's, let's talk about Blake Snell. Cause that's sort of an enigma right now for the Padres. Well, he pitched five innings last night and he threw a hundred pitches. So I, I don't think Blake Snell could have really gone anymore. And he was certainly, as he saw those daughter hitters for the third time, it definitely got a little bit longer. So I, yeah, I, I don't think he could the shut out. Right. I mean, the, he saw a shutout at the time. Right. But I think that it's, the more you keep rolling him out there against guys that have already seen him and he's already at that high pitch count and Blake Snell, he's throwing a hundred pitches. That's something that he didn't do in Tampa. This is what he's wanted to do. And I think that him working deeper into the games in terms of innings and outs, he needs to be a little bit more efficient. Okay. I mean, I, I understand pitch count is something of great importance now, but we're talking about, he was at 99 pitches. He, if he can cruise to the sixth on 12, 15 pitches, I mean, that's 100, 111, 114 pitches. That, that's not overworking a pitcher. That, I mean, that's, it, it blows my mind when I think about pitchers in the 80s and 90s and how much they threw and did so every third day, every fourth day. And now pitchers are, I, I don't want to use the word baby, but they are. They're they're an investment. They're they're someone that you're depending on to go out there 32 times a year, 33 times a year, making hundreds of thousands of dollars per start, if not a million dollars per start. I can understand being cautious with them, but in the same regard, this is a professional pitcher. This is a professional athlete. This is someone who's viewed at, as the top of your rotation type of player. They need to go out there and, and, and throw strikes, get batters out, work quickly. And, and I, I don't know, it's just, I'm, I'm frustrated with the fact that Snell has continued to been, been babied by this, by this coaching staff. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like Tampa was doing, or we're doing exactly what Tampa was doing. I, I, I don't know your, your thoughts. I, I don't think we're doing what Tampa has been doing. And it's also different because Blake Snell has been far worse for the San Diego Padres than he has been in any other season. And I, I've defended Blake Snell. If you listen to Devils Talking Padres, which is what James was referencing, I've continued to say, I still believe in Blake Snell. He just needs to figure out what he's doing wrong on the road. Maybe he needs to change up his sleep schedule or some routine out of the hotel because he's been great at home and he's been horrible on the road. And I, I don't know if they've been babying him just because he's pitching more pitches in each game than he was on the race. And that's all that Blake Snell has ever wanted. He just said, I want to work deeper. And part of the problem is that he's at 99, hundred pitches. Like he was last night against the Dodgers through five innings. And you say, all right, Hey, you went out you threw hundred pitches. You didn't allow any runs. You did your job. We have to go to the bullpen. Now we have to change it up for them. And that's exactly what the Padres did. And it ended up working. Yeah, I mean, looking at his numbers, it seems like he's uh, he's had down years before, and it seems like they're always odd years, uh, coincidentally. Um, it, the issues are walks right now with him. I mean, he's walked 40 batters in 66 innings, and that's that's just not going to do it. I mean, you factor in a full season, and, and you're looking at 130, 140 walks. I mean, you're just that's way too many base runners that are being issued by him. <sighs> He's frustrating. He's just frustrating because we see 
what he did to the Dodgers last year in the playoffs. We see what he's doing at home and we're just not seeing the same thing on the road. And I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm confused. I'm wondering how they're going to be able to get more consistency out of him. And, and consistency is always the name of the game in baseball, right? I mean, it's all about consistency. It's easier said than done, but w- is there an easy fix for Snell or is this Snell or is this just, you know, it's just something that he's going to have to figure out for himself. I don't know because his, his bad starts have been on the road. That's where he's been. The Blake Snell, the Potters fans are, are angry about. And I think it's frustrating. And I think that's a good word to say because you've seen what he's done and you see the pitches he's throwing. I mean, he's got the 95, 96, 97 mile an hour fastball that he can at times locate really well. He's still got a good curve. He's still got a good slider and he's got a, at times usable changeup, but at times he just loses it. And that's why it's frustrating because you know how good Blake Snell can be. And that's why it's frustrating that he just hasn't been that guy. Like I said, I still believe he's going to be that Blake Snell that the Padres want him to be, but he's just got to change something on the road because whatever he's doing at home, he needs to find a way to be able to do on the road or even just better because his ERA above 10 on the road is just not what the Padres asked for. And if he can bring it down to like a six or a seven by the end of the season, and maybe his home ERA goes up towards a two or a three, I think that's a much better pitcher that the Padres want. Yeah. He's just going to have to figure it out. Something about preparation uh, road versus home is, is, I I don't know. It's, it's still early in the season. Um, Pitchers can go through this and then completely turn it around. So we're just going to have to hope that that's, uh, that's the thing to come with him. And I, I know he has a great ambition to go deep in games. He wants to go deep in games. And, and it's just – it's frustrating for him. It's frustrating for the fans when he's behind in, 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 in counts and, and issuing these walks that are just – you know, that just kind of make his, his, his appearance look worse than it is. I mean, he was throwing a shutout last night, and, and no one's really talking about – how dominant he was or how well he pitched it. It's more like, you know, why didn't he, why didn't he go another two innings or what, you know, he got into trouble a couple, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's rough being, being a major league pitcher is rough. And, and we just hope that Blake Snell can, can turn things around, turn things around kind of like uh, Mr. Hassan Kim has done recently. How about how impressive has he been in filling in for Tatis coming off the bench? He has a 321 batting average in his last 15 games going deep, hitting the fastball, which we had a concern with. Let's talk a little bit about Hassan Kim and, and what he brings to this team. A versatile young man, able to play all over the diamond on the infield and do so well. What are your thoughts so far on what you've seen from the Korean uh, superstar? Yeah, he's been exactly what I expected out of him, bringing his gold glove over from the KBO, and he leads all MLB players in defensive run saves. And he doesn't play that much. That's how good Kim has been defensively. So, I mean, the glove alone has been worth it. And now the fact that he's starting to get acclimated, you can see that the teammates love him. You can see that the fans love him. And you can see that he's more comfortable at the plate. You can kind of tell early in the season he wasn't as comfortable in the plate. And he wasn't able to catch up to as much fastballs. Now, most of his damage is still against off-speed and still against pitchers who aren't throwing as hard. And I think that's completely fine because that's still what he's most used to. But you can see he's more comfortable. And to see him hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw, who is an all-time great pitcher, obviously not what he once was, that he's having the worst season of his career, which is saying a lot because he's still having an above-average season. 
And then for him to also hit a home run off a Reds reliever who was throwing 95. And you know what? He got a hanging slider on the inside half, and he just crushed it into the Western Metal Supplier Company. You're starting to see him get more comfortable. You're starting to see him get some base hits to right center field because anyone who watches Hassan Kim, you'll notice that all of his power is pull side. There's nothing wrong with that. But it, the fact that he's showing some ability to hit the other way, get up the middle and drive it up the middle, I think it's a really encouraging sign. And he gives versatility to give Hosmer a day off, to give Cronenworth a day off, to give Tatis or even Machado a day off. And to keep those guys healthy and to keep them performing at a high level and get them in performing at a high level later in the season and into October is exactly what the Padres need. And they need to utilize Hassan Kim to the most so that way they can be the best possible and so that Kim feels as comfortable as possible in case he comes up in a big situation later in the season or in October. Because I'd say right now, given the current construct of the team, I trust Kim to be first off the bench. Like, say the bench is Kim, Profar, whoever the other catcher is, and Mateo. I trust Kim more than any of those other guys. And maybe the other backup catcher, depending on whether Nola or Caratini, when Nola's healthy, of course. I would honestly trust Kim a little bit more than them. And that also keeps the catcher on the bench in case something happens to the catchers on the field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Hassan Kim is only 25 years old. This is a young player. This is, you know, I know he was a KBO phenom and superstar and a perennial all-star over there, but he did it at a young age. This is still a player who's still developing, who's still learning. Uh, There were concerns about the fastball and his timing on that, but as he sees higher velocity pitching, uh, you know, KBO was averaging 88, 89 on their fastball. Major League Baseball is what, up to 95, 96 on, on, a, on an average fastball. He's been able to get that extra bat speed and get that timing and 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 just make the adjustments. And that's what you want to see. I mean, there were a little bit of concerns with that, but it's not there anymore. I think that you see the low batting average and, and, and the lack of OPS and, and stuff, and that's more uh, – uh, it's just a product of him not getting consistent at bats. And unfortunately that's just how the Padres are constructed. The team has a lot of all-stars on the infield and he's just going to have to get time when he can, but he's proving that he's able to come off the bench. He's proving that he's able to, to bring his glove each and every day. And, and that's a versatile, versatile player for the Padres. Let's move on to Eric Hosmer. Oh. A topic of much debate among Padre fans, there are still a lot of Hosmer fans out there, still a lot of people who defend him and his lack of batting average (laughs) and lack of production. Obviously I'm, by the way, I'm speaking, I'm not one of them. Uh, I spoke adamantly about the signing and thought it was a bad idea when it happened. Uh, We got into a little debate in our EVT group feed uh, about Hosmer uh, a couple guys seem to think that uh, Manny Machado would never have signed with the Padres if Eric Hosmer didn't sign with the Padres first. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, and, and then we can uh, spitball about Hosmer and and uh, what we're seeing from him. Well, that is a great unknown, and I, you know, <laughs> now that you say that, I really wonder. And back when the Padres were on their really cold streak, 
and Fernando Tatis was just putting the offense on his back and no one else was wanting to produce other than Tommy Pham, who, by the way, uh, I've said several times on Devil's Talking Padres, I was wrong about him. Yeah. And I know on the last podcast, I went out and I said, why, why is he still starting? I was wrong. Glad to be wrong about <laughs> thinking a Padres player is not good. And then they proved me wrong. So let's get that out of the way. But that's really, that's a really interesting point that if Eric Cosmer doesn't come, does Manny Machado come? You know, we'll never know. That's something that we'll never know. And if some people want to think that and think that Eric Cosmer is the reason that Manny Machado came here and that other players followed and allowed the trades to go through, then you can believe that. I don't know if I necessarily think that's true, but um, I think that. When well, I, Manny- I just think that if the Padres didn't spend what $144 million on Hosmer, they would have spent it elsewhere. Uh, Carlos Santana was, was a first base possibility at that time. Uh, Lorenzo Cain was availability was available in the outfield center field. They, they would have spent the money elsewhere, which would have enticed Machado down the line to sign with the Padres. I don't think that Hosmer and Machado aren't best of friends. They weren't best of friends before. It wasn't like Hosmer recruited Machado to come to San Diego. I think Machado looked at the roster and looked at the, the prospects that this team had at the time and the future. And, and, and AJ Preller went over there and, and spent a couple days in, in Miami sweet, sweet talking him. And, and that's what really brought Machado here. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, again, like you said, we're never, we'll never know. We'll never know. I mean, I can definitely see the point that that helped make him comfortable in having roots in San Diego and spending a decade here on a baseball team that traditionally had been horrible. I I don't know. What do you think? I I think that it it could have some merit. Like I said, I don't know. And we'll never know, but they also have that three Oh five connection. They're both from Miami. So maybe they were better friends. So I don't know. And I don't think Eric Hosmer is, as bad as people are making him out to be. He's in a he's in a cold stretch right now. He absolutely whoa, is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm gonna have to chime in here on, on Eric Hosmer and how bad he is. Well, he's he's playing bad right now. There's well, no other way around he played, it. He played good last season. In, in 2020, he elevated the ball, the launch angle was improved, and his numbers were right. vastly improved. Yes, he has not played up to the contract. Don't do not make me think that I'm okay. trying to say that Eric Hosmer's worth it and that he's he's been a great player for the San Diego Padres. But I, I just don't understand what the Padres thought they were getting. Did they think that he was going to blossom into Freddie Freeman? Did they think that he was going to be uh, a triple crown threat? Did they think that he was going to be one of those players who who developed as as he matured as he got, as he got older? Because he's performing exactly as he did as a Royal. His his numbers. Are, are slightly off that, but you'd expect that from someone who's been in the league for 10 years and, yeah. and, and is getting longer in the tooth. I mean, his OPS right now, is 672, which is a hundred points under his 766 OPS, which by the way is, is horrible for a first baseman. I mean, a first baseman yeah. should be your offensive juggernaut, your offensive threat. A first baseman should be a guy who, who crushes the ball and can't run, but just crushes doubles left and right. And, and just, you want in the middle of your order and we're not getting that. We're getting a, a left-handed bat who kills worms continually at the, at the plate drowning and, 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 and don't, and, and don't get me started on the defense, which is like three times. Oh, I mean, 
from yeah. the very beginning, I've his footwork has been horrendous. I, I saw Bobby Dickerson drilling him in, in spree training in person, and he improved last year. What, what's going on? Well, why is the improvement? Why, why why are we not seeing the 2020 Air Cosmer? What, what's going on? That, we, I mean, we talk about clubhouse leader and this and that, but isn't that part of being a clubhouse leader is going out there and busting your ass and, and improving things that you need to improve upon? This turned into right. an Air Cosmer bashing podcast, by the way, which I apologize or, or don't. I, I don't know. Well, and I think part of the reason that the Padres went out and they gave him a ton of money was because he was coming off a career best year in terms of batting average, OBP, and sling percentage. And the only number that he's been remotely close to in terms of any of those years was his 2020 slugging percentage, which of course was a shortened season. And Evan Anderson and I, one of the other writers here at Eastfield Times, we were talking about it. And Eric Hosmer was so good in the first half of the 2020 season. And of course that was the shortened season. And then in the last final weeks of the season, his launch angle started to decline and so did his numbers. And I think the hope amongst Potters fans was that he was going to get at it in the off season and work on it to get back to where he was early in the 2020 season. And we saw early the season, he was killing it. And he's the Potters best situational hitter, which a lot of people just they throw that aside and say, oh, well, that's totally mm-hmm. random. And I don't know what's with him with his mindset that like he's so good with runners in the scoring position. But when there's nobody on, he just he just strike out, strikes out, grabs into the shift. I don't know. It's really weird. And I mean, pitchers, they pitch to his ground ball. They know that, hey, if I throw him that loan in slider uh, breaking in to his back yeah. foot, he's going to roll over it. And that's what he does most of the time. Now he's hitting the ball harder than what his numbers have represented over this past month where his stats have been awful. And at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is your stats. He's going to be a little bit better than where he's at right now, but uh, I I don't think that he's horrible, but in terms of first baseman, he's definitely in the lower half. See, that's, that's what my whole bashing is based upon is the position. Uh, Eric Hosmer is a solid major league player. He, produces but at first base it's just it's frustrating and then the defensive issues are also frustrating because i like a first baseman who can go out there and and can pick balls and can pick up your your infielders on bad throws and and demoralizing things are are errors at first base are thing just things that just kill momentum and and i i I don't know i i just don't know he's invested in the long term. This is obviously someone who is a leader on this team. Um, I, I'm, I'm just being critical because we expect more fans expect more. The Padres expect more. We saw in 2020, what he's capable of doing when he makes the proper adjustments. We just need to see that again. You know, all the talk in the world is just talk until you actually see the product on the field producing. And, and that's what we need to see from Eric Cosmer. And, you know, I apologize for the Eric Cosmer fans out there, uh, but he just hasn't been good. And you can't sugarcoat that. I'm, I'm sorry. You just, you can't. Right. This is, and- this, is this team has, is a, has a future. This team is, is going to be good. They should have accountability, right? Yeah, no, they should. And to put it into perspective, 
Ha Sun Kim has more war this season than Eric Cosmer has in his entire tenure with the Padres. So, and I think that, and part of that is because Eric Cosmer's war gets put into comparison with other first basemen. And that's where you're seeing it that James, like you mentioned, first baseman, he's not putting up the typical first baseman offensive numbers. And then you also factor in his subpar defense. It also doesn't help out his war. So like I said, I, I think he's better than a 252 batting average, a 310 OBP, which uh, you can't be walking at 5% of the time at, yeah. when you've been in the league for this long in a 362 slug. I think he's better than all three of those numbers, but I don't think he's like that much better. And I, I think the people that like will like defend him and say that the contract's worth it and whatnot, I think they're wrong, but I think he's better than what he's shown so far. Yeah. I mean, the contract is what it is. It's guaranteed. He's here. He's not going to opt out. He's, this is, this is a Padre first baseman for, for the time being. Um, Again, we're just being critical because we want more. We expect more. This team has to be critical of things like that. They they can't just be complacent and go, Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. blah, So-and-so is doing this, doing that. No, this is team with an aspiration to win a world series title. And with that comes accountability. And I'm sorry, that's just part of it. In, if this was New York, if this was Philadelphia, he, he, he would be torn up left and right. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Uh, let's move on to someone who had been, uh, I don't want to say abused by the fans who had been uh, just, tormented by the fans and that's Tommy Pham who you know you mentioned earlier you were ready to to wash your hands on him and I think a lot of fans were he had just not been producing making easy outs he's been he's been the man recently I mean you you, oh, yeah. you, you can't debate that there's the production is there he's moved into the leadoff spot he's getting on base uh, yeah. you know it, it baseball is funny that way it, it, it sometimes it just takes something. I mean, in the last 30 games, he, he has a, a over 300 batting average and, and, and done so convincingly with power 542 slugging percentage in the last 30 games. I and mean, this is, this is impressive stuff, what you're seeing from fam. And that's typically the kind of hitter he is with the high on base percentage. I mean, we're seeing a 375 on base percentage from him right now. Um, that's exactly why the Padres brought him along. They they need they wanted someone who continually gets on base and sets the the tone for their monsters in the middle of the lineup. So, give me your your thoughts on Fam. I, I know uh, you mentioned a, a little earlier how uh, how you were wrong, but uh, give, give let's give some love to Tommy Fam because he's really he's made the adjustments, and that's what you like to see from professional hitters. Oh yeah, for sure. He deserves a lot of credit for what he's done for the Padres lineup and. It was funny because the Padres lineup was doing well when he wasn't. And then when he started to get it going, everyone else didn't. But now the other hitters, since the Padres have come back home for this homestand, they've all picked it up. Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, Will Myers, they've all been really good. So really good to see. And Tommy Pham has been the table setter at the top of the lineup. And we talked about it. I I like Trent Grisham at the top, but the way that Tommy Pham's hitting the ball the way that he walks to get on base, he's got a 12% walk rate. That's well above league average. He's just been doing everything right. And like I mentioned, I was wrong. And I I would love to be wrong about pay, about players who I thought, you know, hey, I'm not liking what I see from this guy. He needs to play less. And I never wanted Pham cut. 
DFA'd, traded or whatnot, because he's a leader. And he is a big part of the reason why the Potters have walked more. They're the the patient Potters, as I like to call them. And he's been kind of the the engine uh, of that. And I never wanted him cut. I just wanted him to play less. But now you can't take him out of the lineup. And he's just been killing it. It was really weird to see him get an off day on Sunday going into the biggest series when he was hitting the ball well. Because I'm all for giving players rest and making sure they're 100% healthy and they're good to go. But when a player is swinging the bat well, you sitting them on the bench and he did get a pinch hit double in the game, but that's only one at bat is it was a little bit questionable and he has not hit the ball as well in the Dodgers series. He got a leadoff double to start the first game. And ever since then, I think he struck out six times. So it hasn't been as good for him these last two games. Hopefully he turns that around Wednesday against Trevor Bauer and against the Arizona Diamondbacks and the way that he's swinging the bat. I have complete faith that he's going to do that. And even when he gets out, like his strikeouts, they're six, seven, eight pitches long. He's working into full counts. He's making pitchers work. And that's just something that you haven't seen from Padres in the past. And he is 100% the engine of this offense right now. And he's the engine of the approach that the Padres offense has been instilling. And the fans who were calling for Damian Easley's job as the hitting coach when the Padres had a bad two and a half week stretch, they were idiots. And I'm glad that they're being proven wrong. That was actually, I mean, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was real, but yeah, there sure were def- somebody out there. <laughs> there were definitely tweets that I saw uh, repeatedly on my timeline. Yeah. So they've been proven wrong and keep it up, Tommy. Keep proving me wrong, even though I, I'm bought in. But the haters, uh, that definitely motivated him. He's always been a guy that's wanted to prove people wrong. And that's certainly what he's doing right now. Yeah, he definitely is. It's it's awesome to see him produce and, and just make the make the adjustments that, that we're all uh, hoping he does. Um, speaking of adjustments, uh, let's move into some prospects and talk about uh, Mackenzie Gore right now, who's having a difficult time in the PCL. PCL is a notoriously it's a notorious hitters league, but I, that that doesn't seem to be the issue for Gore right now, uh, who currently sits 0 and 2 with a 5.85 ERA in six games and uh, 20 innings pitched. He had some blister issues. There's whispers about mechanical issues that the Padres are working with him on. Um, we're we're not we're just not seeing the same. I mean, this is a guy who in 2019 uh, was nine and two with a 1.69 ERA and 101 innings pitched, struck out 135 batters, only walked 28. His WHIP was 0.83. You know, I know it's early, but we're seeing a WHIP at 1.8 right now. We're seeing the walks up. We're seeing the K's down. Is there reason to be concerned about Gore? I mean, we're, we're, this is still a very young pitcher. I mean, we're, we're, he's 21, 22 years old. I mean, give me your thoughts on Gore and what what's going on with him. Yeah, it, there's definitely reasons to be concerned because he's not looking like the pitcher, anywhere near the pitcher that Potters fans had seen in 2018 and 2019 and that pitcher flew up to be the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. And he has since lost that status to a couple of pitchers, including Grayson Rodriguez in the Orioles system, which is fine. He's still highly regarded by a lot of scouts, but whatever's wrong with him. I mean, he's got to fix it. It's from what I've seen and what I've read, it's pretty clearly mechanical. And we all knew that with his delivery, it was going to be hard to repeat, but it seemed pretty consistent that he was working through it 
in that he was able to repeat his mechanics over and over again. Then all of a sudden COVID-19 pandemic comes down and you can't pitch, you can't play in games and whatnot. And all of a sudden he, he lost it. And it's obviously a sign for concern. I still think that he needs to work through it and he's still young. He's 22. Yeah, I think that if you don't see improvements by the end of this year, I think that's when you really should be concerned and you should start saying like, Hey, what's wrong? Like, is this ever going to be fixed or not ever, but is it going to be fixed to the point where Mackenzie Gore is going to be anywhere near the picture that Padres fans, scouts and baseball execs thought he was going to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit of surprise that he just hasn't been able to progress. Like uh, most imagined he would, I think, most people going back to 2019 would thought for sure he would have debuted by now. We saw Morahone, we saw Weathers kind of jump over him as far as debuting. Both are Latino, Latino. Both are all three of those pitchers are all the same age as as Gore. So there's a little bit of concern. Uh, the stuff is still there. Uh, you don't like seeing the blister stuff, but you know I, I've talked to him about that before in person, and he was. I, I don't know. He he has this aura about him that he wants to dominate and he wants to be so good. You just wonder if he's putting too much pressure on himself and, and the mechanical thing has just got to work itself out. Um, we, we wish the best for Gore. Let's, let's move on to talk about CJ Abrams right now, who's doing really well in double A. Well, not really well, but he's doing, he's doing well in double A. He's currently hitting 295 uh, with a 359 on base percentage, two homers, 21 RBIs, 10 steals, uh, had a little bit of a leg issue early in the year, but this 20-year-old is performing well in Double A against pitchers that are obviously uh, older than him, that are more experienced than him. What's your thoughts on what you've seen from C.J. Abrams so far in 2021? He's been super impressive, and what we've heard and what we've seen is that his bat exceeds his age, and I think that's what we've continued to see. What he's been able to do, I think, has been super impressive. And he's got to find a way to keep it up because, I mean, as these older pitchers get more experience and they keep seeing him in times in these minor league seasons, you could see his numbers start to dip off. But I think the way that he's swinging the bat and his speed also gives him another edge. You know, hey, I didn't hit it very hard. I could beat it out. We see that Fernando Tatis Jr. up here. And we're seeing a little bit of power from him too, which is not something he's expected to have as a strength, but he's showing that it's, it's there and it can play and he looks like a stud. And I wouldn't be surprised if when the next team rankings get updated, he's the number one prospect in the Potters organization. Yeah. That could very well happen that with the, the way Gore's pitching and the way he keeps progressing at his age, it, it could very well happen. Uh, let's move on to Luis Camposano, who's in El Paso right now hitting well, uh, has four homers so far, a 263 batting average in 137 at bats. There were some defensive concerns when he played at the major league level, which is understandable. I mean, this is a 22 year old catcher who really moved through the system fairly quickly, considering he's a catcher. Catchers usually uh, are are ones who are, unless they're phenoms, they're usually taken, given time to develop and work with pitchers and work with coaching staff. But Campuson uh, is off to a decent start. Uh, that's the number three prospect for this team. Uh, let's talk about uh, Robert Hassel, who's also performing well in Lake Elsinore. Uh, Hassel is someone who's intriguing to me. I don't think we've seen his power potential develop yet. 
but he's showing a phenomenal eye at the plate as a 369 on base percentage, 288 average, four homers, 33 RBIs, has walked 21 times uh, in 163 at bats. Give, give me your thoughts on Hassel. Have you seen much of him uh, on MILB uh, TV, or have you have you uh, seen a lot of video on on on, uh, on Robert Hassel III? The Storm games, they're the ones that uh, they've run late because they're on the West Coast. I mean, you get San Antonio, El Paso, and Fort Wayne. Those are central time. But you get the Pacific time games, and especially when I'm writing my farm report, the Storm game is normally the game that I'll have on. And eyes are locked in on Hassel. He's been a stud. The walks, they've come down a little bit, but he's still drawing a lot of walks. I mean, 21 walks and 163 at-bats. For an 18-year-old, right? Is he still 18 or is he not? No, he's 19 now. 19, um, yeah. uh, sorry, I guess I need to hold him to a little bit less of regard now that he's <laughs> 19. But to to be walking at that rate as a 19-year-old against a bunch of professional players who have probably been around systems for a lot longer than he has. And yeah, like you mentioned, four home runs, that's fine. Once again, he's 19 playing in minor leagues. So he's going to be a stud. And I wouldn't be surprised if he moves through this farm system pretty fast. I can't imagine he makes it up to high A this year, but he could certainly start at high A next year with a chance to move up to double A rather quickly after a strong start, if that's what the Padres choose to do. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of upside with him. Uh, let's talk about three uh, pitchers who are coming back from uh, arm injuries that are in the minor leagues, and that's Anderson Espinosa, uh, Reggie Lawson, and Pedro Avila. Um Espinosa has been kind of uh, up and down. We've seen a uh, mid to high 90s fastball out of him in Fort Wayne. A little bit of issue with the slider and stuff, but that's understandable considering the two Tommy John surgeries. He is ERA is at uh, 7.88 right now in 16 innings pitched. Uh, a lot of that was due to a bad start that he had, uh, a really rough start. It's nice to see him able to go out there on a weekly basis and tow the rubber and potentially get back to where he is. Um, any thoughts on Espinosa, who's still highly regarded in the system, ranked as the uh, 11th prospect for the Padres? Yeah, I mean, another case similar to Gore, and I think this is a way less extreme case, is that he just needs to build up repetition. He hadn't pitched a ton, obviously. It's been well-documented. Didn't have a single professional inning between 2016 and the season in 2021. He's only thrown 16 innings, so he hasn't really built himself up a ton. So I want to see consistency from Espinoza. And if you want to see, he's got a 7 8 8 ERA with eight walks and 16 innings and 17 hits. So the walks aren't necessarily a huge problem. So for the most part, he's in the zone, which I think is a very, very good development thing because he's in the zone. And, you know, at that point, he can fix, you know, Hey, I'm not locating this as well. You know, it's, it's a little bit over the middle of the plate. It's not the knees. It's not at the letters or at the top of the strike zone. Those are small fixes that you can fix. Now the stuff that's going on with Mackenzie Gore, that's more command and control. And he's, you know, Hey, I'm walking too many guys. So I think that what we've seen from Espinoza, although the stats may not indicate it, he seems to keep working and he'll, he'll be fine. Yeah, no, there's a lot of upside there, and, and it's just uh, the Padres are going to take take it slowly with him, like they should, and you know, hopefully, he will continue to, be, to develop and, and build up that arm strength. Um, speaking of which, Reggie Lawson is in Double uh, A right now in San Antonio. Uh, 
building up his arm strength. Uh, his thrown three games, four innings pitched, uh, was roughed up a little bit, has nine uh, ERA of nine right now. Um, but is showing uh, a good fastball. Is showing good spin on on his breaking stuff. And that's someone who's uh, has a lot of upside in my eyes. That's someone who, when I talk to a lot of the prospects and ask about Reggie Lawson, they they tell me about how hard he works and how his work ethic is one of the best in the minor leagues. And you have to root for someone like that. Uh, a California guy out of Victorville, uh, you have to root for him to be able to get back uh, to where he was, because I mean, this was someone who was on the cusp of of making this team and really establishing himself. He's still only 23; will be 24 this year. So there's a lot of upside left uh, for Mr. Lawson. Um, we just hope that he's able to get there. Uh, Pedro Avila is another one who's coming off Tommy John surgery. Uh, someone who was released by the team in in uh, I believe his last offseason was uh, signed as a minor league free agent again by them. Um, he pitched one game with the Padres, actually made his major league debut uh, in 2019. Uh, is I believe he's in San Antonio as well. He might be in El Paso. He's in El Paso. Okay, yeah. I thought he, he had moved up to El Paso. But somebody who's working out of the, out of the pen, uh, top curveball, excellent curveball, uh, not a high-velocity pitcher, but could eventually, with some luck, uh, make his way back to this team uh, in 2021. We'll have to wait and see. He is still building up arm strength, but that's – someone to definitely keep an eye on uh anyone else in this prospect system that we should discuss there's a lot of uh a lot of enigmas here and there a lot of uh, unknown players joshua mears is showing some power in lake elsinore give me your thoughts anybody that we should be uh talking about ethan elliott pitcher for the fort wayne tin caps has been really good so yes. far not even, not even a top 30 prospect but just really established no. himself he will be because yeah. they'll, they'll update it and he'll be in there because he's been unreal. I believe he won the, uh, what did he win? He won the, he won the league's best player, best pitcher in the month of May. And in 45 innings, which is a very solid amount so far. And I mean, you're looking at these box scores, a lot of these starters are in three or four innings. Elliot in nine mm-hmm. starts, 45 innings. That's over five innings a start. He's got a 2.170 ERA and a 0.88 whip to go along with six and two strikeouts in 45 innings. I mean, that's legit. Yes. At what point are we talking about him getting called up to San Antonio? Yeah, it should be. I mean, at this point, the, when you put up numbers like that, you got to expect a, a call eventually. It's it's probably going to happen. Um, let's talk about the catchings on this Padres system, which is – which is really kind of blossoming. Uh, Johnny Hamza is really developing in Fort Wayne. Uh, this was a guy who was drafted out of Alaska in, in high school, uh, was a shortstop, uh, moved to catcher. Uh, Blake Hunt had a lot of uh, help in developing him as a catcher. Those two were really close to each other. You're seeing the bat from Hamza, which he always had a good line drive swing, but you're seeing the development in catcher and, and catching him behind the plate where he's turning into a very good defender. And, and he's definitely someone to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Brandon Valenzuela in uh, Lake Elsinore is a catcher who's very impressive. This is only 20 years old, a switch hitter. I've seen him in the middle of the storm lineup continually. Uh, is really hitting well. Uh, they also have Gilberto uh, Viscara in uh, in Lake Elsinore that's performing well. Uh, there's there's some catchers in this system that are starting to 
established themselves. Uh, Alison Quintero is another one. Uh, there's uh, Jimmy Fernandez, uh, Juan Fernandez in, in uh, as well. Do you think that this team could potentially use Luis Camposano as a trade piece? I think they could, but I also think they could use Valenzuela. I think that he's someone yeah. who's really going to rise up the prospect rankings for the Padres in that if teams have been scouting well, they've been noticing that Valenzuela has been doing a really good job at the plate. And that's definitely someone that I think teams could definitely target. That would be lower in the system. The Potters fans who don't really know anything about the farm system be like, ah, oh, he was the 24th ranked prospect on MLB pipeline. This is no yeah. big deal. Yeah. AJ Preller building the statue and whatnot. And I love AJ Preller. He's doing a great job with this team, but I, I really think that Valenzuela is someone who's going to draw interest at the trade deadline. If the Potters are pursuing external options which yeah. we all think they will and yeah, when when i think about that i think of aj preller and his style and i think that valenzuela's value is increasing but i don't think it's reached its pinnacle yet where luis camposano is arguably top five top three catching prospect in all of baseball his yeah. value is is phenomenal right now and when you look at valenzuela at 20 years old switch hitter already highly regarded as a defender uh pitchers rave about his pitch calling and his ability behind the plate to me that 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 means that Preller's looking at balance well as the future and possibly being Camposano in a year or two sticking it out with Nola doing whatever they got to do to get a backup or, or leaving Caratini in there I, I I don't know I'm just trying to figure out AJ Preller's next move which is proves to be absolutely impossible but yeah right <laughs> but, and I I think you're 100% right. They, they 100% could move on from Cape Busano. I think that would definitely anger a lot of Potters fans. But we've, we've seen the bat from the minor leagues, and even in spring training, the bat's there. And yeah. he didn't necessarily show it when he came no. up to the major leagues, but at the same time, he's also 22. And he was catching a very tough pitching staff. And obviously, there was, it was very well documented that the pitchers did not like pitching to him. Blake yeah. Snell was very vocal. Chris Paddock's numbers were... So bad pitching to him. And then ever since he's been pitching either Caratini or Nola or even Rivas, since those guys have been up on the major league level, his numbers have been a lot better. So I think that there might be some concerns from the Padres and they might move off of that. But I also think that being down in the minors is going to help develop Camposano. And I still believe that he can be a very good catcher in the future for the Padres, especially considering that Caratini is a free agent following next season. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the Padres have options. And exactly. Yes. Good teams and, have options. And and I think that something is crucial. And I think that this is where AJ Peller deserves a lot of credit is that after this offseason of trading away Hunt, Mejia, Torrens last year, Allen last year, yeah. the catching the top catching prospects for the system were depleted. And it was seen as a weakness, but all of a sudden it's looking yeah. like it could be a strength again. So exactly. AJ Peller deserves a lot of credit. Yes, exactly. Player development and AJ Preller do deserve a lot of credit. And player development from this team had been lacking forever. I mean, how many number one draft picks did this team squander on players that just didn't even make it past double A? And, and that's scouting. That's also player development. I mean, it, it, it's 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 embarrassing when you look back at some of the former draft picks top draft picks from this franchise. And you're just not seeing that now you're seeing third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, uh, international prospects hitting them. I mean, it's, this is impressive. It's really impressive. And the stream is nowhere depleted. Like some people think uh, I've seen fans 
I, I don't want to say complain, but wonder why the farm system is so bad right now when it's not, it's not bad. It's there's still a lot of depth there. Like we mentioned, Ethan Elliott's not even a top 30 prospect listed as a top 30 prospect, but sure as hell pitching like one. And, and that's what it's all about. A lot of, a lot of excitement from the future for the future of this, this franchise and, and a lot of trade chips for AJ Preller, if he potentially wants to go that route, Dominic, I think, I think we're pretty good. Uh, Decent show. We kind of hit on all the topics. Uh, anything else we should cover before we get out of here? Uh, I I can't really think of much. I mean, I think we. Oh, I know. About... I know. I've got one topic. Oh, the sticky substances. Let's talk. No, about let's, that. Talk, let's talk about. Oh, okay. Let's 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 talk about the sticky substance then, real quick. Sure. Um, I commend Major League Baseball for trying to crack down on this. I wonder how long this is going to last. Remember when they were going to stop every hitter from stepping out of the box and, and, and they were going to police that and that lasted for about a week. And then now it's just kind of gone back to whatever it is. I mean, do you see them every single game checking a starting pitcher twice and a, a random relief pitcher? And, and I mean, it's it, baseball just constantly contradicts itself. We were so obsessed with speeding up the game but yet we make rules that are totally contradictory to that. So I, I don't give me your thoughts on the sticky substance thing. Well, I think it's good that they're cracking down on it just because a lot of these pitchers were abusing it and they weren't using it for grip. They were using it for increased spin rate in yeah. case anyone at this point lives under a rock and listens to our podcast, which would be totally awesome. By the way, the sticky substances increase the spin rate of the baseballs, which make fastballs appear to dive less and uh, the gravity affects it less. And it makes your off-speed pitches such as sliders and curveballs break more. So that that's what these substances that a lot of pitchers were abusing were doing, and it made hitting a lot harder and it made for a less cool product in terms of baseball. And so I, I think that umpires just walking out after they're done with the inning, and it doesn't slow the game down. They say, hey, Show me your glove, show me your other hand, show me your hat, show me your belt, making sure you got nothing tucked in under the belt. And then they just go on their way. And a lot of the pitchers have just, you know, hey, glove, hat, here's my belt. There's nothing here. All right, cool. You're good to go. Umpires have been fairly cool about it. Now you see the situation with Max Scherzer last night where Joe Girardi, and if you listen to his post-game press conference, he said, hey, I saw him going to his head a lot, and I just wanted to make sure that he wasn't cheating. And <laughs> then, then, you know, Max Scherzer stares him down. Do you and then really Joe want Girardi. to piss off Max Scherzer? I mean, is that really? No, that is, that is the last guy, 100%. Yeah. That is the last guy I wanted. That's maybe like, Madison, maybe Madison Bumgarner. But, yeah, exactly. And then, and then Joe Girardi, after that, you know, walking out of the dugout and saying, you know, come at me to one of his former coaches on the other oh, side. Yeah. It, it, it was a mess. But I, I, I think this is good. You know, clean up the game. And then I really wish that they had done this at the beginning of the season, so I pitchers didn't have to adjust mid-season and whatnot. But at the same time, the pitchers were abusing these substances. And it's good to see that baseball is trying to clean itself up. But I think that the execution of it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, that that, that is for certain. Um, we'll have to wait and see what the future holds with this and how diligent they're going to be about searching everyone. Um, are they going to start searching position players? Because position players are more than capable of putting something on the ball for their pitcher as well. So, I I, I don't know. It's it's we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, Major League Baseball is trying to do their thing as usual. Um, let's move on to fantasy baseball, Dominic Stern. 
Uh, and I've been I've been logged out of my fantasy baseball account for three weeks now, which is not why my team is bad. My team is bad because I had a bad draft, but I have teams that were doing really good that I have not been able to. What are you referring to? I don't I don't I don't understand. All of a sudden, you got very defensive. <laughs> my my team in the East Village Times League is the worst in the league. Dominic uh, currently sits 11th at uh, two and nine. Uh, Bobby is at the 12th place at the oh. And- oh, well, he's also so the, Dom, so. the uh, Devils Talking Padres podcast is, is really representing our East Village Times Fantasy Baseball League. Well, right. No, and and I think I think both of you have like five or six transactions on the air as well. I, I should have more than that, but. Uh, I have not been able to check my team in two and a half weeks. Like I said, that's not why that team is bad because that <laughs> team was bad before I got logged out of my account, but uh, it's definitely been frustrating. And I, I know that your team is uh, definitely one of the best in the league, if not the best. I, like I said, I haven't checked in two and a half weeks. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that I'm not nine and two and leading the league by two games or anything, but uh... right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that would be a fun way to wrap up the show and then and, and give you a Buster Chops a little bit about that since you were yeah you were, I, in you were talking about how how you were a fine fantasy baseball icon and well yeah and in two of my other leagues the two leagues that I have like a hundred dollars invested in I only had two losses combined entering this month of June so yeah, I don't know no, where I'm at is, right now there is a penalty for finishing last in this league you know that right what is that. <laughs> you might you you don't remember huh i don't know um you might have to keep you might have to get yourself out of last place i think the right. penalty the penalty had had uh had moved into uh spending 24 hours at a denny's and, and no, no 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 <laughs> no <laughs> there was a penalty uh for finishing last i can't remember what it was off the yeah list. it was a it was of some random fantasy football league in like Miss, mississippi and <laughs> the dude had to spend 24 hours in a waffle house, waffle house yeah. but every waffle that he ate took off an hour at a time <laughs> I, I wouldn't give you the waffle option by the way <laughs> Well, that would just be pure torture. But <laughs> I, I, I think that that would be better because then you're not enticed to eat as many waffles as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to figure out something else, something uh, for the for the upcoming fantasy football league that we're doing, or, or something like that. All right, I, I look forward to that. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, go Padres! As we hope for the sweep tonight against the hated Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, hopefully the Padres can take care of business. Uh, Joe Musgrove on the mound going against Trevor Bauer, which will be another uh, exciting game. Last night turned out to be pretty exciting towards the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there are a couple of fights at the game. There weren't any on Monday. I was very happy to see that, but there are definitely a couple on Tuesday. Yeah, God, just Petco Park is during these series just turns into uh, – a football type crowd where you just don't want to bring your young kids out there. If you have young kids and a young family, I would not recommend going to attend a Padres Dodger game. Uh, and if you outfield. do sit in more expensive seats, cause the fans are classier. Yeah. The outfield seats are, uh, yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's, it's entertaining. There's entertainment in the stands as well as the, uh, as well as the ball game. Right. Oh, hundred percent. And, it was exciting. I didn't know a Padres Dodgers game since April of 2018, just because that was all I was able to attend in terms of Padres Dodgers game. So I was super excited. And the fact that they won both those games, it was awesome. And yeah. I look forward to hopefully 
extending the winning streak on Saturday against the, the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks who have lost 24 straight road games in 18 of their last 19. And I think like 25 of their last 27. Ugh, yeah, no, I, I feel bad because we've yeah. been through that. Obviously not to this extent, but no, no. Well, they have issues all, all a whole different, a uh, whole different thing. Uh, yeah. Six series for the Padres against sub 500 teams, uh, other than the Reds, who are currently 500. Uh, hopefully, this team goes on a big run right now and, and, and can win 15 out of the next 20, something like that. Um, thank you, folks, for joining us. Uh, this is episode number 145. Uh, we should be back next week, or we will be back next week. We will, uh, yes. Hopefully, with a guest. Uh, got a couple things lined up. Uh, Mr. Stern might have something uh, awesome lined up for us. Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the listening and for the support. Uh, apologies again for the hiatus. Uh, we will definitely be more regimented. Uh, Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here, man. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 145 of the East Village Times podcast. Make sure to follow James and I on Twitter. You can find James at EVT underscore J Clark. And you can find me at DM Stern 19. It's S-E-A-R-N. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at EVT Podcast so that we, you know, whenever we post our podcasts. And make sure to follow us on eastvillagetimes.com. You can find us at Twitter at EVT underscore news, bunch of other San Diego sports uh, stuff. The Aztecs coverage, they're continuing to kill it. Our other writer, Chris, is doing a lot of great work for the San Diego Loyal. So if you're interested in that, he does a lot of good stuff there. He's credentialized. He's got a great connection within them. So that's exactly what he's doing. It's not just the Potters here at East Village Times. It's everything else. So eastvillagetimes.com. We're working on getting more Potters stories coming in. So a lot of excitement over there. We thank you. We will be back next week, hopefully with a guest. And with that, thank you. Go Padres.